Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. I know this is going to be hard to believe, because you're probably a pet lover. You're listening to the show. I don't believe it. <laughs> I know. Isn't that hard to believe? It's, it's, it's mind-boggling, really, when you think about it. What am I talking about? I'm talking about harming your own pet so that you could get drugs or medication or opioids for yourself. Whoa. There are that's people, pretty low. That's pretty low. There are lots of people that do that. Oh, and man. Just are you a, serious? Really? You, the news lady, you don't believe this? Let me, no, I, I just the thought would never, ever occur to me. I mean, that people would do that exclusively. Any, oh my gosh. Anyone that's been hooked on opioids knows that you, you do <gasps> anything. anything to get that drug. If that includes uh, inflicting pain on your pet so you could go to the vet and take their drugs that the vet prescribes. Oh, wow. Wow, that's well, you terrible. Know, a lot of vets don't even prescribe those kind of drugs anymore, and they make you go to the pharmacy because they've been broken into so many times. Absolutely. Well, there's a lot of stories, and we'll go through a few of the stories. Dr. Kevin Fitzgerald, who's just been a longtime friend of Animal Radio, I'm thinking there's a guy that's been, I mean, 17 years ago was his, the first time he came on Animal Radio. Yeah. He's, a, he's an amazing doctor. He uh, practices. He has that show on Animal Planet or had that show. He wanted to chime in on this because he says... He's actually had patients that have come to him seeking drugs. And we're going to find out a little more about that. Also on the show today, if you've ever wondered what kind of dog you have, what breed, what particular breed. Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? (laughs) Who's their daddy? We're going to give out a DNA test today. It's a cheek swab DNA test to find out what kind of dog you have. And we're going to talk to a lady who's made a a billion dollars. No, she hasn't made a billion dollars. She's... (laughs) What are you saying, Hal? She hopes to make a billion dollars testing your dog's DNA. And uh, she has a brand new test that I think is fairly accurate. I know you did this about 10 years ago. And then I did the blood draw, which was really accurate. Yeah, when you did uh, Ladybug at first, what did she come back as? Oh, I don't know, like St. Bernard, Belgian, Malinois. I mean, yeah. it <laughs> she's was. A, yeah, okay. She's one of Chihuahua, right? <laughs> no, she's a Jack Russell miniature pincher mix. Yeah, and you oh found that gosh. out by doing blood, blood. is that correct, yeah. over the cheek swab. But they may have. They may, have, this, that was, they may have changed. You know, they figured that was close ago. to 10 years ago. That's on the way. And then at the bottom of the hour, we're going to do a quick check of the news with Miss Lori Brooks. What do you have for us? A very heartwarming story. At first, you may go, oh, really? $19,000 surgery for a cat? Huh? Yes. And that cat was 17 years old. Wow. <laughs> I'm sticking around yeah. for that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But first, your calls. Toll free, one 405 Hi, Mark. How you doing? Good. How are you today? Very good. Where are you calling from? Norfolk, Virginia. Norfolk, Virginia. You're on with Dr. Debbie. Hi. Well, hi there. Hello. I, I just have a question. Um, my wife and I, we have uh, two toy Pomeranians, and we we just, we just switched around their diet probably about a month ago. We went to Nature's Variety, which I guess like the Instinct, which is, has more of a... Uh, protein-based meal but the big question is i uh i'm a hunter a deer hunt and if i do uh bring down a deer you know my wife is anti-hunting and i'm not but you know i told her i was thinking you know i was going to bring the deer back the deer meat back and that i was thinking about whether or not uh, we could uh give the dog some of that venison in the pure form in the meat because it looks like this 
food that we have here is kind of like almost been a little bit dehydrated. It, it, it thaws real quick. But I was thinking we could go with some venison meat. And my wife expressed concern about that, worried about whatever possible diseases might be in the meat or whatever. And I'm just calling to see what uh, your opinion is on that. Yeah. And, oh, gosh, my opinion on raw food diets, I'm not a fan of them. I know that the the argument for raw food diets is that that's what dogs eat in the wild and that's what they were kind of built, made for um, nutritionally. But um, in the pet setting and in a household setting, um, I, I think that it is a lot of stress and a lot of effort that is placed on the individual pet owner to become a nutritionist. And um, I, I really don't advocate it. Not that the venison could not be fed because there are a lot of venison-based dog food diets out there. But but my concern is that kind of twofold is one is that we're introducing raw meats into the home situation, which puts not only them at risk for foodborne illness, um, but even yourselves, because anytime that kind of raw diet is fed, you have the potential for um, bacterial-related diseases um, being passed in the household. Um, the, the other thing that I have a problem with is that, um, you know, these are little dogs we're talking about. And in most small dogs, um, you know, a 10-pound dog only needs 200, maybe 300 calories a day. So when we start adding all these other things into their food, um, it might be a useful, you know, use of those um meat sources so they're not going to waste but um you know there's calorie needs for these little guys they only need a small amount of food and um i just don't see the need to kind of add in things there um but i know a lot of veterinarians out there may share a different opinion um i i just i don't embrace that raw food diet i'd like to uh, go with sound uh, veterinary nutrition that um you know we know well, has, uh, yeah yeah what we do is we uh in the morning when i get up um, I get up early, so I just take out, like I said, we just do three of those little little meat uh, tablets or, or, I guess, or medallions, I guess, for each one of them, for both of them, you know, three and three. And then if we, they, they basically will go back in the cage till I get home or my wife uh, gets home from work, which is usually about five or six in the afternoon. And then we have out the, uh, the regular dog food that you, that you see, but it's that nature's variety, which is more the higher protein. And then they'll they'll snack off of that as much as they will, but raw the the raw food the raw meat portion of it seems like it lasts them quite a while. Um, we have the cat our cats on the same thing, and you know one of the things I noticed right away with the cats is that the litter box is it doesn't smell anymore. You know it uh, they they aren't defecating as much. I mean they still urinate as much as they used to because they're still drinking water, but they don't defecate as much because it is higher protein. And uh, I don't know it's just. I've noticed some pleasantries, like the dog, dogs, when they defecate, it just not as, I don't know how to put it, you know, it just doesn't seem as sloppy as it did before. I don't know if that's the proper way to look at it. but Yeah. Well, I mean, and there, I know there are definitely benefits that, that many folks have, have reported. Um, but as far as, I guess, I just fall upon the consistency and in prepared diets and, and knowing that you have a, you know, a, nutritionist kind of behind that and for folks and there are definitely especially with this pet food recall um, in years past there are good resources to help people design if they want to do home cooked diets and, and that is something that you know if I have someone who's really sincerely wants to go that route you know I, I respect that decision I don't agree with it <laughs> but I would want to make sure that we're kind of being educated about it and using some tools um, right. and there is actually a very good veterinary resource which is out to the, the public um, 
there's a book by a, a Dr. Strombach that's about homemade diets. So I'd want to have some resource such as that. Or there's websites that can help with a veterinary nutritionist that kind of helps gu- give you guidelines on things. Because, you know, there's about, you know, four to nine different types of supplements, if we're calling um, a home food diet a home food diet, that you might have to actually add into a pet's food, um, whether that's a raw diet or, you know, just something you're cooking up at home. So um, I would be cautious and, and, and look for good resources to help you along that way. Um, but I'm going to tell you, ugh, I'd stay away from the raw diets. <laughs> this is Dr. Debbie with Animal Radio. Hi, Pat. How are you doing? Hi, good. Thank you. Where are you calling from today? I'm calling from Tennessee. You are on with Dr. Debbie. What can I do for you today? Um, I heard a caller call in on your show a while ago and mention that they had a dog who had cracked his teeth because they were chewing on some bones. Uh-huh. And we give, we've got a miniature schnauzer who's got very powerful teeth, and uh, we give her those Nyla bones. They're the really hard plastic ones. And she okay. goes through those like every couple of weeks we got to replace them. And I was wondering if those are good for her if we should be using something else. Well, in general, I think those are really good substitutes when we're talking about the alternatives from, you know, true bones to finding something that's going to be an acceptable alternative. Um, And I think the Nyla bone products are really um, pretty durable. But if you're doing what it sounds like you're doing when they start to show some signs of pieces being chewed or kind of getting broken down that you toss it and you replace it. Um, because you can even still run the risk that, um, you know, a piece of that bone could get chewed up and swallowed and cause an obstruction. So if they're starting to really get um, some significant damage on that item, no matter how good it is, <laughs> it's best to replace that. Um, and, and you could still feasibly maybe have a situation where um, a dog could crack a tooth on something like a Nyla bone. But um, if they hold up fairly well um, through regular use, then you'll have less of a problem with that than, say, a, a meat bone or steak bone. Okay. And there are some different types of the Nyla bones and the Nyla products. Um, a lot of those types of things, like the Kong toys, um, I'm a real fan of those. If, if your schnauzer is really um, a, an avid chewer, I think those kind of products hold up very well. Um, the main thing is we want to avoid toys or chew items that have little corners um, that have soft parts that can be broken off easily and then with some of the edible type bones you know we watch to make sure that you know they may be edible um, but we we have to watch out because some of those corn based cornstarch based bones or um, potato bones carrot bones all of those things can cause just as much a concern what about rawhide Uh, you always hear rawhide's trouble yeah, and you know, I, I like rawhides, but I like them in the right uh, use. Um, I'm not a real fan on those little flip chip kind of things um, or the knotted rawhides, but I do like there's a type of rawhide that's a compressed rawhide. And if you have a dog that is an avid chewer and needs to have something to gnaw on and maybe he's not a fan of some of these things like the Kongs or the Nyla Bones, compressed rawhide is the next best thing that I like to use. Um, my labs, um, it could take them hours to get through one versus, you know, a regular rawhide would be, you know, 20 minutes or less in their big strong jaws. So, yeah, I think that, that's a good alternative as well. This Healthy Serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. You can learn more over at redbarninc.com. And thank you so much, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. 
Hey folks, this is Jackson Galaxy. You're listening to Animal Radio. Please do everyone a favor, spay or neuter your animals today. Yeah, puppy pads are convenient, but sometimes they're really gross. That's why the Animal Radio studio stunt dog, Ladybug, uses the brilliant pad self-cleaning puppy pad. We love how it handles number one and number two. It seals away the waste and replaces dirty pads for us. Brilliant Pad keeps our home clean and smelling fresh. All we do is replace the roll once every few weeks, and the process is fast and clean. In fact, Ladybug gives it five paws up. Learn more about it at BrilliantPad.com. Hey, this is Sean Hayes on Animal Radio. Remember to spay and neuter your pets. You're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. I am so glad spring is on the way. Last night was a three-cat night for me. <laughs> they were, in order to stay warm, I needed three cats. And, I mean, that's fine and everything, but, uh, you know, it's uncomfortable after a while, after a few hours. So I'm waiting for summer to set in. If this is the first time listening to Animal Radio, we've been around for a while. Welcome. Always getting new listeners every week. To my left is Judy. She uh, answers the call. She produces the show. She She's our boss, pretty much. Lori over here in she the newsroom. She signs the check. She yeah. does. <laughs> Lori Brooks in our newsroom, uh, our illustrious newsroom. It's actually kind of a small little closet, to be honest. But we try to paint the picture. The that dogs a, love it here. They do that's love it. That's important. Yeah, yeah. And we get to take our animals to work with us. Dr. Debbie is also here and Joey Villani answering your questions about your grooming and uh, your vet medical questions. And coming up in just a couple of minutes, we're going to have an old friend back on, Dr. Kevin Fitzgerald. Not a really cheerful topic, but he's coming on to talk about how people are harming their pets or taking their pets drugs, their medications, wow. uh, usually opioids, pain it's medications. I believe people would do that. There's a story about a lady in Kentucky that just came out. She hurt her dog, cut her dog to get medications. And I know, I understand that addiction can make you do some crazy, crazy stuff. But hurting your animal is... <laughs> That's got to be one of the lowest. Yeah. That's pretty low. That's... Uh, there's also a story about, let's see, this comes out of Oregon, where a family had many, many, many puppies living in terrible conditions inside their home just to use those puppies to get medications, tramadol, which is an <gasps> opioid. So apparently, I, I don't know how rampant this is running, but apparently it is a problem. And we'll talk to Dr. Kevin Fitzgerald about it in just a few minutes. What are you working on, Lori? Okay, it's it's bad, kind of like along your lines. Okay. But, I mean, the animals that are, are most likely to kill you. And, and, and no, it doesn't. It, this list does not include deers. And, in fact, it, oh. did I say deers because I should be smacked if I did? Deer does not include deer. This list actually comes from researchers at Stanford. And they went through some CDC information from the Centers for Disease Control about people who have been killed by animals. And I guarantee you, you're going to be shocked. Oh, really shocked. Probably if deer is not you, on there. Yeah. I thought that would be no. the number one. Yeah. So uh, I just learned the plural of deers is deer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, don't you sound, doesn't it sound funny when people say, uh, yeah, give me two beers. I think it's just odd. Is it beer? You give me two. two no, it's two beer. beers. Two beers. Two beers, but you don't say, give deers. me. I, you don't say deers. Okay, cut me off. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, John. How are you doing? Oh, pretty good. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Houston, Texas. John, you're on with Dr. Debbie. All right. I've got a couple of cats, and I was wondering if there was any way I could keep them off the furniture. Okay. 
Um, are they getting on any particular part of the, your furniture that you're unhappy with? Well, they're just getting on the couches and sleeping on there and getting them filled up with hair. Okay, so you're not a fan of having the cats on the couch then, huh? Well, it doesn't bother me. It's the girlfriend that doesn't like it. Okay. Huh? you got to get rid of the girlfriend. Wouldn't, you, wouldn't that be the suggestion, doctor? <laughs> well, you know, everyone's got their different levels of what they, you know, admit or would permit their cats to, um, to, to do in a home. I had someone who I knew that their cats were urinating and their kitchen uh um on their stove and that mm. was acceptable to them so you know everything's a little different for everyone um so f- for myself um i'm not a fan of cats on counters um if you don't want your cats on couches you know there's ways to train them for that um but it can be kind of hard have they, have they been allowed up on the couches and the furniture up to date no okay so you've been trying to keep them off of that already then yes we have okay have you used any remedies to try uh, we've used the sprays, and uh, we even used the uh, little shock pad, and that didn't work. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, there's for for jumping up on undesired areas for cats. You know, we, we want to do something that's humane, um, but something that kind of gets the general idea across that this is not a place we want the kitties to travel. And um, you mentioned the you know the kind of shock mats or what I call the static mats or the scat mats. So when the kitty you put that on the area when they jump up there, um, it's kind of like a, um, a static electricity type feeling. So um, that's a deterrent. Um, if that doesn't seem to work there are some other things we can try um in some areas um i'll have luck with uh, the double-sided sticky tape but um on couch areas uh might not be as uh well received um there is something that i will try and it takes you doing a little bit shopping on the internet but there's some motion detector um items that actually when the kitties um cross the barrier um there's compressed air emitted i i believe the one that i'm familiar with is uh it's called scat like three s's and then cat and um that's made um and it basically has uh, some have audible tones that go off first and then others you know have just the um compressed air but that's something that i'm and i believe the company is premier pets but that might be something that you know gets the idea across with um you know maybe something you can't patrol real regularly um and to keep them away from that um, and, of course, a good old standby is if there are certain areas you want physical access completely limited to, um, you know, uh, keeping doors closed, things like that. And, and I know a lot of people with allergies, you know, they love their kitties, but they can't have them in the carpeted areas or in areas where there's upholstery. So hopefully some of those techniques might be helpful for you there, John. This is Dr. Debbie with Animal Radio. Hey, don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of petrified. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. Hi, this is Steve Garvey on Animal Radio. Remember to spay and neuter your animals. Thank you. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. 
Try our chicken rolled food as a meal or shred it as a topper. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Hey, when you hear about killer attacks by animals that, uh, you know, make the sensational headlines that they do, think about, you know, people maybe attacked by bears or shark attacks. But those are not the animals most likely to kill people, at least not in the United States. That title of the animals most likely to kill an American actually goes to, are you ready? Farm animals. And mostly cows. And sometimes horses. Cows. Uh, that's according to researchers, yes, at Stanford. Uh, in fact, their study looked at more than 1,600 deaths of people killed by animals between 2008 and 2015. And by the way, the cases did not include car accidents yeah. that involved deer. That's what I was thinking, think so. deer. Uh-uh. So cows and sometimes horses killed the most people. Second on the list of deadly animals was really stinging insects, hornets, bees, and wasps. Uh, caused nearly a third of the deaths that they studied. That terrifies me. Um, and then as far as dog-related fatalities, there were 272 people killed by dogs, or 17% of the cases they studied. Uh, the authors noted that, and it is very troubling, they said that most dog-mauling victims are small children under the age of four or sometimes very elderly adults whose deaths were preventable. The study also concluded that preventing deadly run-ins with livestock, like cows, those killer cows and horses, should also be a higher public health priority. Wow. I, I, I don't know the scenario that a cow would yeah. kill you. And I, I could mean, see a horse you could fall off. Sure. Or know, get kicked st- or something. Kicks, like, yeah. I don't know. But a cow? I, I, I so don't even docile. know if it would, Did you? I watched, okay, you know the vet show, The Vet Life, yeah. with... Um, Dr. Blue. Yeah. So they went to a, a cow ranch one time on one episode. And I really, I had to turn the TV off because it was so crazy. It took them like five visits to castrate a couple of cows, several cows maybe. But these are, are wild cows who are out in pastures. In fact, it was a cow sanctuary. And I think we've talked to that woman too. Mm-hmm. But it was a, a crazy, crazy visit. And they are lucky that they didn't get hurt. I could I could see after watching that episode how many people could be killed. I guess with those big old long horns. Yeah, I guess if you're going into castrate, there you go. Yeah. That's what it is. That's Just a death to, wish. don't yeah, don't do it and you'll be okay. <laughs> well, some of the country's most infamous mass murderers had a, a history of hurting animals before that is hurting, not as in hurting as uh, you know, sheep and stuff. But before they went on to target humans, and and what is behind all of this is a new movement in the United States to create public online registries of known animal abusers. Right now, there are currently 11 states considering new animal abuse registry bills. Those states include Hawaii, Indiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Mississippi, New Jersey, New York, Oklahoma, Rhode Island, Virginia, and Washington. And most of those states already have counties that already have those local animal abuse registries, kind of like child abuse registries that are so common. The animal abuse registry is less common, but lawmakers are afraid that there are too many loopholes with just counties managing those registries, so they want to make new laws that would cover their entire states. 
And from uh, animal abusers, done with the bad news there, uh, to this story now about some great animal love. It was a little over a year ago that Betsy Boyd of Baltimore got the bad news that a lot of cat owners get, that their their older cat, in this case Betsy's cat, was 17 years old. She got the news that 17-year-old Stanley's kidneys were failing, and he likely only had maybe two to three months to live. So, Betsy who is a part-time professor, also a mother, made the decision for Stanley to have a $19,000 kidney transplant. And before they could even start on Stanley's transplant, she had to adopt Stanley's kidney donor, who was a two-year-old tabby cat named Jay. So that brings the total number of lucky cats in Betsy's home to six. And she says, you know, now if Stanley were to die tomorrow, she would have no regrets. In her words, We've already had a few really great weeks. He's really happy, and that alone is worth that $19,000 price tag. So you're probably thinking, oh, sure, $19,000. That's nothing for somebody who's a billionaire. Um, she is not independently wealthy. Betsy Boyd says the message she would really like for people to get from Stanley's story is that if you save your money carefully, you too can have no debt and spend $19,000 on something that really moves you. She drives a second-hand car, shops at consignment shops, and her husband stays home to take care of the kids most of the time, so they make do pretty well. By the way, um, Jay and Stanley, both the donor cat and Stanley, who had the transplant, are doing really well today. Isn't that awesome? Uh, it's awesome, but I can't imagine putting a 17-year-old cat through something like that. Surgery. That, the surgery yes. alone yeah. for that. Yeah. That's that 17. was my first thought. And as I, I read on, it was a pretty lengthy article. It was in the Baltimore Sun. And what happened was that everybody had the same thoughts. And they were like, you are crazy. This can't be good for Stanley. And that's a whole lot of money. Well, you think about it, the vet, you know, she was talking with the vet daily at that basis, and she said um, her vet told her that other than this, you know, his failing kidneys, she had had Stanley for a very long time, and that his words about Stanley's health were that Stanley was actually in very robust health. The only problem, the only health problem he had was his kidneys. Who knew? Incredible story. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I would have yeah. thought the same thing, so... Maybe we don't always give, you know, our our pets enough credit health-wise that they deserve, you know, thinking that they can't make it. She said he's very happy now. So I was glad to hear that. Good to hear. Good story. All right. Thank you. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. If you're ready for a flashback from the past, if you're a longtime Animal Radio listener, you'll know this voice. We welcome back Dr. Kevin Fitzgerald to the airwaves. Hi, Doc. How are you? It's, it's nice, to, nice to hear you guys. I'm, 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 not, I'm still alive. <laughs> I know. Isn't it hard to believe not, we all are? I'm not a flash from the past. I'm still with you. I'm still your buddy. You're still practicing in uh, Denver. Yep, thirty-six years. You know, I've been I've been here. You know, and so we see whatever the streets of Denver can throw up at us. So yeah. Uh, the reason I wanted to call is because I heard that people are actually harming their pets, hurting their pets to seek drugs and usually opioids or medications, pain medications. I couldn't believe this when I heard it. Is this really true? Well, let's talk about that. You know, certainly. 
the opioid crisis is on the radar of the American Veterinary Medical Association. So the question is, you know, are people uh, purposely hurting the pets to get the medications, or are people taking the medications at all that have been prescribed for their pets? So what we see is a diversion of medication that is prescribed for the pets going to the people. There have been a few cases reported, too, in the news uh, that, that, that come to mind right away, but people, you know, nationwide were, were caught hurting the animals just to get the medicine. But typically, that's not what I see. What what I see is opioids being being abused by people that come in, and, and they, they give themselves away. There are several red flags. Usually, it's a person you haven't seen before, and you have no client, uh, you know, doctor-patient relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And they come in, and they're asking for drugs, and they know the name of the drug, and they know dosages. Okay, wow. and they're asking for an inordinate amount, you know, a big, a, a whopping number of pills. They'll say, oh, my medication spilled and I need it. Or they'll say, I just moved here and my vet is in California. Can I get some to hold me over? But you have no relationship with them and you don't really know that the dog has the problem. So what I always see is, you know, is, there's several things we can do to safeguard that as veterinarians. So I, I think we need to train the staff to recognize these things. In Colorado, I don't, I don't know about other states, but I, I know several of them have the same thing. They've just instituted in the last year the prescription uh, monitoring program where we can look into a person and, and see are they a drug abuser with, with prior uh, you know, uh, offenses and, and are they on uh, prescription medicine at the present time. So if we see suspicious activity, we can we can monitor it. But what if they go to a different vet? Now, is if they can go to five different vets and collect drugs, is that vet going to know they went to your vet and another vet? Is there a database that connects you guys together? No, we don't have that yet. But I, if, if I put, you know, a person on these drugs, let's, let's look at the drugs we actually have, you know, in veterinary hospitals that are potential for abuse, Okay. So we have alprazolam, uh, benzodiazepine like Valium. Alprazolam is Xanax. You can use it for anxiety, use it for firecrackers or thunderstorms. So that can be abused. We have tramadol, an opiate that we use for pain. We have hycodan, which is a, a cough suppressant with the codeine in it. We've got fentanyl we use for pain. Uh, it's harder to get, you know, and there's other things we can use, but fentanyl patches. Do you ever test dogs to see if they have the drug in the system or if the people are taken or if they're actually... That's a, that's a great question. Can we take... I got to take a break. Okay. We are with Dr. Kevin Fitzgerald. He is from Alameda East Veterinary Hospital, among other things, a longtime friend of Animal Radio. We are talking about people that actually harm their pets for pain medications. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, he'll answer that question. Stick around. Do you travel with your dog? Of course. My pets are part of our family. Me too. I take Daisy with me everywhere. Right, Daisy? So how do you find out what hotels welcome your dog? I read Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Sounds perfect for planning our next vacation. Right, Daisy? It is. Their motto is leave no dog behind, and they have great hotel and destination reviews. Where can I find the magazine? Go online to FidoFriendly.com. I will for sure. Come on, Daisy. We're off to find our next adventure. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It is Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. 
And we are with Dr. Kevin Fitzgerald, and we're talking about people that actually harm their animals to get pain medications and, and go into the vet clinics, and they, they ask for their medications for their animals, and they end up using them. There was a story that came out of Kentucky. A young lady admitted to police that she intentionally cut her dog multiple times to get the opioid Jeez. tramadol. And when she mm. was talking to the police, she says, I, I felt like a complete and total idiot for doing that. Uh, but nonetheless, she was <laughs> she served a three month sentence and then spent another 10 more months in prison for violating her parole. Unfortunately, the felony here was that she attempted to obtain controlled substances by fraud and the misdemeanor charge was the torture of the dog or cat. And that's simply because our oh, animals no. are treated as property. And Jeez. and that's how the courts rule in these. Well, like they said, that's, that's changing state to state. You know, we have we have some things here where the laws have some bites where animal abuse uh, people can get a felony charge here in Colorado. So, um, so it's, some of the laws are changing. I think that varies state to state. That that's the case that got the most uh, the most heat and the most press. But I would tell you that that is the exception. I, I really don't think people are, are intentionally hurting animals in a in a huge sense compared to the number that may try and and fudge and and do drug fraud and and get the drugs from themselves that the animals are on. Do you ever do a drug test on the animal? Do it by blood to see if the animal is actually getting the medication or if it's going elsewhere. You do. It's a great, great question. And we do. You can test for phenobarb. You, you can test for several drugs and see whether they're they're present. See whether they're being used. So, you know. So the veterinarian, I think, has to use good judgment and 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 feel the thing out. You know, although sometimes it can be who you don't suspect, but I think there are red flags where. You know, they wanted, uh, you know, they want a huge number of, of tablets or, you know, they're going out of town or there's some incredible long story about why they need it or, you know, they, they haven't uh, been to their vet. And so I, I think that um, if we don't have a relationship with them, we don't do it. We monitor our stuff here under lock and key and, and who goes into the box to get it out. And, you know, we have to log it all out. And so we watch it really closely. And, and so we we can see and and by by doing this, I think we can detect um, who's abusing the system. You had a uh, situation at your office where I believe you had an employee that worked for you and recognized a client and then went to another office and then recognized him there, too. What was that about? Right. The, the woman had had um, a previous uh, job at, at, at somewhere else and, 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 you know, knew that the person was getting the same drug there. And, and so, you know, could identify it that way. Our problem is that, you know, we don't have, like you identified before, a great system between veterinarians as they're going to multiple hospitals. Although, uh, you know, here, if they, they come here on an emergency system, you know, we, we, we ask, you know, who's your regular vet? Or we can tell from the rabies tags here in Colorado who their regular vet is, you know, because it says right on the, on, on the, uh, the tag. But, you know, one thing we can do is the the PMP, the Prescription Monitoring Program, where you put it in the hands of the authorities, and then they'll they'll look into it. And and so we've had we've had just a few of those. But you know, I I think that the the, the idea that people are out there hurting pets in, in huge numbers is is not actually what's happening compared to people that are trying to divert the drugs to you know should be going to their animals to themselves. 
Well, which is actually hurting the animals just sort of indirectly there. I mean, it's if the animals need these medications and they're not getting these medications, that's hurting them. It is exactly right. Exactly right. So, you know, neither one is, is great. But the one the one is horrifying to think that they're, you know, actively cutting somebody or something. You know, that's, that's, that's not acceptable. So I think what we need to do is we need to, uh, you know, be aware of the problem. And we need to use safeguards and we need to try and train our staff to identify, you know, red flags. But I think more than anything, imagine the desperate nature of somebody doing this type of stuff. Sure. And, and I think it underscores the the, the, the actual uh, behavior and character of uh, addiction and what it is and, and what a horrible, a horrible uh, affliction in this country. And so I, I think... You know, we need to get to the the root of the problem, which is, you know, these poor people that are addicted. You know, and, and I mean, just imagine the the pain somebody's in to be that desperate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I appreciate your time today. Not not the happiest of subjects, but uh, I... Call just... me on a happy one sometimes. Yeah, I'm going to do that. <laughs> it's great to hear your voice again, Dr. Kevin Fitzgerald. Is there a website where people can learn more about you? Oh, not really, but there's great websites for the AVMA about uh, opioid addiction, and then uh, the AVMA.com has things. But you're better, you know, their veterinarian is as far away as the telephone, and you guys are always available with your website and good information, and you're going to have me back this, this uh, spring, and we can talk about snakes, bees, spiders, and ants, and creepy things that bite our pets. Damn straight. We're going to do that. Okay. okay. We're going to head back to the phones right now for your calls for Dr. Debbie or Joy Volani. Stick around. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. A group of Mormon women from Australia are doing the darndest thing. They're knitting little sweaters for a small breed of penguins known as fairy penguins who often get caught in the oil spills off the coast of Australia. The tiny doll-sized sweaters help keep the penguins warm during the rehabilitation process. They also keep the penguins from trying to clean themselves and ingesting the poisonous oil. Tourists flock to see the tiny penguins in their colorful sweaters as they parade around the Phillip Island Nature Preserve. The knitters, mostly between the ages of 50 and 80 years old, produce so many sweaters that they're now being sold in the gift shop on toy penguins with the money being raised used to build a rehabilitation pool. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our grain-free rolled food. It's protein-packed with less risk of food sensitivity. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Would you like to know what kind of dog you have? You know, breed, specific? Maybe you already do know. Maybe they. Maybe someone said that the dog you have is a particular breed, but you don't believe it. This hour, we're going to give you a DNA test for your dog. 
We're going to tell you how to get one just in case you're not lucky enough to get on through. They're not that expensive and they're more accurate than they've ever been. We'll be talking to Mindy Tenenbaum. She's the founder of DNA My Dog. She sells these little cheek swab kits. You send it back. 14 days later, they send you the results. What kind of dog you have. Get a nice certificate with your dog's picture on it. And why, it's kind of like an Ancestry.com thing for dogs. It yeah. is. Absolutely. And why is it so important? Because, well, maybe you're just curious. You want to know what kind of breed you have. But maybe your breed has certain health issues or will. That or they're is predisposed to. Predisposed, oh, yes. yes. Yeah. And uh, knowing that ahead of time would be great. So we're going to do that this hour before the end of the show right here on Animal Radio. We're also taking your calls. And don't forget, you can ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app. For iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. <laughs> Lori, what are you working on for this hour? Good pickup, Judy. Um, I have found some information concerning animals and pets and how in animal relationships, how one sex responds to the other, usually how women respond to men with pets. And the really cool thing about this is that the research comes from a woman who consults with Match.com. I know your husband has a lot of cats. Yes, he does. Did you know that when you met him? No, he didn't have any. He didn't have any cats. No, I had one. And and my cat actually liked him. My cat didn't like my previous boyfriend. Cats can say a lot. You know, you should always bring your cat out when you're dating, ladies, just to see how the cat reacts to the guy that you're dating. That's a big telltale. I always say dogs are better judges of character than people are. Uh, Well, absolutely. Hundred damn straight. Okay, heck yeah. yeah! I forgot how we got on that there, but uh, I do know that the phones are ringing white hot, and we should go to them, right? Yes. Hi, George. How you doing? Pretty good. How are you? Very good. Where are you calling from? I'm in Muskegon, Michigan, right now. George, what's going on with you? Doctor Debbie's on with us here. Hi. I have a female Airedale that's spayed. She's three years old. Her weight was up to 130 pounds, and uh, about yes. a year ago, we put her on a diet. And the doctor wants her down to around, uh, the vet wants her down to about 100 pounds, but I can't get her below 117. And all I feed her is a cup of uh, dried dog food in the morning mixed with a half can of green beans and the same thing at night. And when when you look at her, does she seem to be, do you think she looks pudgy? Yeah, she's kind of a little bit white at the cruft back. Okay. But uh, I got her from Airedale Rescue when she was three months old, and she weighed 35 pounds then. Oh, when she was little, yeah. <laughs> they grew up to be big girls, but uh, yeah, I would say at 130, that definitely sounds as a number, it sounds high. And and if you're going by the, the body condition score, which is usually what most veterinarians use where we look at your pet and we look for some certain outlines and shapes that we want to see. And if she doesn't have a nice little narrow waist when you're standing above her, um, and she kind of looks like a pretty much like a rectangular potato, <laughs> then that's not what we want. We want to have a nice little silhouette. So um, I guess the first thing I'd ask you as far as, um, you know, food-wise, as far as is she actually on a weight loss diet? I am feeding her uh, for about a year now uh, blue buffalo, uh, weight control, uh, dried dog. Okay. Okay. Um, and um, has your veterinarian expressed any concerns for anything health-wise, any kind of hormone problems? Because one of the big things I'd be looking for in a dog that can't drop the weight would be potentially a thyroid problem. Yeah, I was kind of thinking that myself. But, uh, yeah. Maybe a- 
And it's a very common hormonal problem. So if she hasn't been screened for that yet, I would definitely draw some blood and check her for that. Um, a low thyroid level in dogs can cause problems with weight gain, as well as some other hair coat problems where they get kind of dry skin um, and, and can have some activity problems. So that would be definitely something I'd look at. And I would really encourage you to use a weight loss diet in more of a prescription strength. Um, and that basically means nothing wrong with the food you're feeding right now, but when we're really trying to make some sincere efforts at getting that, that poundage off, um, it is advisable to use a prescription weight loss food. Talk to your veterinarian. There's a lot out of there. Out there, um, I use um, some of the different Hills products. Um, Purina makes a weight loss uh, food as well, but it gets a little bit more calorie restrictive than general um, over-the-counter uh, weight loss foods that are out there. Um, and then, and the other thought is, um, there is actually a weight loss drug for dogs. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's called Slentrol. And it actually is a drug that helps to curb their appetite. And we only want to use it in a healthy dog that doesn't have a thyroid problem, doesn't have a liver problem. But that is really useful for some pets that just can't get that weight off or that have a very strong appetite. Um, but we do have to use that with caution. So you, you work with your veterinarian on that. And that can help um, definitely kind of curb the little munchies that she might be having that could be contributing to her weight problem. And are you, George, are you doing some activity, some exercise for her? Well, I could take her for a walk now and then, but uh, my wife and I both work. We have a fenced-in yard, and we have a dog door, so she goes in and out whenever she wants, but okay. probably not enough because she's kind of a couch potato. <laughs> she's living the good life there. <laughs> and I would say definitely, if there's an ability that you can get her um, activity up, you know, two 30-minute walks a day are ideal for trying to get that activity level. And you might be able to get away feeding, you know, maybe the regular food you're feeding now or not restricting her diet so much if we can get that activity level up. So um, I'd say get her off the couch, <laughs> away from the TV, um, play ball if she likes to do any kind of retrieving activities. Um, um, but even a good, you know, brisk walk a couple times a day is a fabulous thing for us and great for her as well. So keep up those weight loss efforts there, George. This is Dr. Debbie with Animal Radio. Hi, Sherry. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Tennessee. What's on your mind today? Um, what it is, my sister, um, we have, she has a puppy, probably about two and a half years old, and he's been outside. He's a house dog, but he got outside and he got some fleas, so they bought some really expensive shampoos, this, that, and the other, to get rid of the fleas, they thought. Well... They did, but now he's got, like, his skin is very sensitive or something. I don't know. But he's itching and scratching, and they haven't taken him to the vet yet. But is there something that we could do before we take him to the vet? I mean, he's just like one of the family, and we want to take care of him. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're definitely family members. And you didn't mention, Sherry, what kind of dog do you have? Oh, it's a Shih Tzu. Okay, Shih Tzu. Right, right, right. Okay, and where are these spots that he's having the irritation on? What part of his body? Well, on his underbelly and, um, oh, um, uh, he, he's biting on his ankles, and we thought it was fleas, but we can't find any, and we've done everything, you know. We do the flea thing, so I don't think it's the fleas, but undoubtedly maybe the flea medicine made him, his skin be real dry like 
say a humans or something, and now we just, the poor thing, he's just scratching and itching all the time. And his hair in a couple of spots has turned red. He's a black and white, but his hair is turning red in a couple of spots. Would that have anything to do with it? Well, it certainly can. And what you're describing when dog's hair kind of turns like a reddish, uh, kind of a reddish brown color, that is that's evidence that um, the pet is actually licking. So even if we don't see them lick, if we see that brown staining, that's the clue there. So definitely from what you're describing, he is, you know, attacking himself, licking, chewing. And if he's got sores and he's got redness, I think we really need to talk about the potential. What's causing that? And you mentioned fleas, and that is the number one thing I think of when we have a really itchy pet in a flea endemic area. You know, even though you've done some steps, um, there's still the possibility that one bite from that flea can last for many, many weeks in causing that itch factor. So you need to still keep up with all of that. But if we've actually got some redness, some sores, we could even have some skin infections going on right now. So um, it might be realistic um, that we talk about antibiotics, um, maybe some medicated shampoos to help relieve that surface irritation on the skin. And then um, some anti-itch type remedies. And there's a lot of different things that I'll pull out of the the medicine cabinet for an itchy dog. Um, But I try to start with the medicine that causes the least side effects, if at all possible. So something like an antihistamine. Um, Although some dogs will use steroids um, for good and for bad. um, And that may help to take the itch out if we're dealing with a really bad allergic type situation. Um, so I would definitely imagine, Sherry, that you're going to need to get this baby to a veterinarian because we want to, A, make sure that those fleas are under control, and, B, make sure we can give them some relief for the itch and then also yeah, treat any. Because I feel so sorry for him, you know, and it was it's just like we don't see the fleas, but if he's licking or whatever, will that turn back to black and white and the red go away? That's a good question. And generally that red, if we can stop the itch cycle and stop whatever's causing them to to do that, yeah, it will go away. And it goes away kind of when the hair is returned to normal, when they shed their hair in the next cycle. Um, but for a lot of pets, especially those with chronic allergies, they if you ever see dogs walking down the street, they can have red-brown staining in between their feet on their on their inner thighs and without getting to the root of the problem they'll be left that way and that that color staining is kind of a chronic problem so you'll really be motivated to try to um, a make him comfortable and then b try to you know get those red spots to go away so I I think we've got some hope there but we really will need to get get him um, some control some itch control for for him Um, but there's hope so I'd say you know get him into your vet and uh, you know unfortunately skin problems are a huge issue for for dogs. It's one of the number one things I see in my practice, so you're not alone. This is Dr. Debbie with Animal Radio. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Kensington Books. Inspired by true stories of klepto, kitties caught stealing from humans. Mac, the mischievous tabby, is back in Mac on a hot tin roof. But this time, there's little time for his usual shenanigans when Mac becomes the foster parent to an orphaned litter of adorable kittens. Filled with lots of catitude and love, Mac on a Hot Tin Roof by Melinda Metz is available everywhere books are sold. Visit kensingtonbooks.com for more information. And thanks, Kensington, for underwriting Animal Radio. 
Here is today's top automotive news story. I'm Nick Miles. Subaru of America hosted a pet adoption event with Anderson Animal Shelter, Hopeful Tales Animal Rescue, and Fetching Tales Foundation at the 2020 Chicago Auto Show. Attendees were invited to interact with the shelter pets and potentially adopt and take one home. The adoption event is part of the Subaru Love Pets Initiative, which is dedicated to helping improve the safety and well-being of animals in communities nationwide. To find your new Subaru or new pet, check out our reviews at ourautoexpert.com. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car care needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service. For professional parts people you can trust, stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts. Better prices. Every day. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio. Judy Francis to my left right here. She's big into that Ancestry.com. You actually, you paid for that, didn't you? I did, yes. I wanted to see if me and my sister came out the same. You mean that you're related? Yes. (laughs) Okay. That's, I didn't know if I was going to have to get out the Kleenex or something. No, we were related. Now, my brother, we're trying to convince my brother to do it. We're not sure. Not sure if you're related to your brother, huh? You know, he hasn't done it yet. There is something like that for animals now, and dogs in particular. In fact, there has been for at least a decade. There's been the wisdom panel, and there's been yeah. multiple uh, DNA tests to find out what kind of animals you have or what kind of dogs you have. And you you actually uh, became enlightened when you took a test, a cheek swab test, about a decade ago, and mm-hmm. you realized that it was not that wasn't your dog. The no, results just didn't fit. It, it, no, they were huge breed dogs. She's nine pounds. She's a little nine pounder. And she, yeah, they, she's not not those breeds, not at all. The technology. Well, was, I'm sure they've come a long yes, way. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The technology has changed. I don't know if the cheek swabs are more accurate now, but we're going to be talking to one of the makers of the cheek swabs now, DNA My Dog, and we're actually going to do a cheek swab test in the studio. So get your mouth ready. The dog. The dog. I'm not going to put it in. Okay. And then uh, (laughs) we're also going to give away one of these DNA dog tests. We do have one to give away. So that's on the way in just a few minutes. We're also going to do a check of the news in about 10 minutes from the palatial Animal Radio Studios newsroom and Lori Brooks. Hey, coming up, we have the best state. If you love wine and love your pets, Mm. the best state that you could possibly take a vacation in. Also, this is the most unusual cat show that I want to tell you about. Okay. It's it's in New Jersey and it's coming up, but it is not like it's, you know, how we watch dog shows on TV now. Uh-huh. Nothing like that. Okay. This is like a cat show where you get to, to meet famous cats if you want. Oh. Um, and like, of course, cats are most famous on social media, right? Yep. So we'll, we'll tell you what famous cats will be there. So it's like CatCon is what it's like. <laughs> it's very similar to CatCon, but it's on the East Coast. Okay. That's on the way. We'll find out. All you East Coaster cat lovers, listen up. That's on the way. Hi, Helen. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing real good. Just want to let you know, I might lose you. I'm on my cell out in the middle of Texas. Okay. Here, so. What's up with, with your animals? Well, I have a two-year-old Scotty, and she's a good little girl. She's the best dog in the world, but she gets excited. She piddles all over. Ooh. Oh. And she's been doing this since she was old, eight weeks old, and I was wondering if there's anything we can do to prevent it. Okay. Can you tell me in the situations when, when she's doing that, what triggers that? Um, meeting strangers, that's about the biggest trigger right there. Now, I do that, too. <laughs> I didn't think it was a big deal, but... 
Well, I'm excited to get this question, Helen, because this is actually um, a very common problem. And uh-huh. we see it in a lot of dogs. Most commonly, we see it in puppies. Um, and they tend to kind of grow out of it. But um, at yes, two years of age, it. if that behavior is there, you know, we're going to have to battle this. And there are there's basically two reasons why this happens in dogs. Um, one of the reasons is that they're just excited. And we call them excitement urinators. <laughs> and then in other pets, it's actually a way that they're displaying submission. So if this is happening more when people are coming into the home and it happens right when they're walking in the front door and, um, you know, she gets excited and it's all a big event, that's probably more of just an emotional excitement type thing. And that's there's definitely ways we can work with that. That's yeah. what you think it is? That's what I, I would say. So, because she'll go right up to people, and as soon as their little tail starts wagging, the faster it goes, she starts their Uh huh. Yeah, and then splashing the urine all over the place. It's a great greeting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In fact, no. I just had her out in the truck. I took her out for her little break, and she saw a Pomeranian out there while we were out going to the bathroom out there, and she peed all over my shoe. <laughs> oh, we my there. goodness. <laughs> so when she does this, does she kind of roll over? Does she show her belly when this is happening? Not at all. Okay, because that's one way that we can look at the other cause of this is when they're being submissive. Because in the dog world, um, a, a dog that's submissive to another dog tends to kind of show their underbelly. They'll roll over and even urinate a little bit. So in your situation, with this being excitement, this is this is an exciting thing. We can work with this. So the hardest thing in the world that I tell my clients when we're fighting this problem is... You need to tame down the greetings when you enter the home, whether it be you coming home from work or someone yeah. entering into the home. Um, it's common nature. We all want to go, oh, hi, puppy, puppy, great to see you. But it actually, that's actually kind of perpetuating this behavior because they get excited all the more. We're just kind of mm-hmm. amping them up, and then the urine flows. Yeah. So the first thing you want to do is when you come home, you ignore your dog as hard as it is. For five minutes, you go take her straight outside. Don't make eye contact. You're not looking at her. You're not talking to her. Get her to do her potty business. And then after a few minutes, the excitement kind of wears off, and you will hopefully not find that that will happen at that time. But it's this is a very hard thing for people to do. Um, yeah. Some other dogs yeah. we can try, like using a head halter. Um, if you've ever seen those gentle lead harnesses, that's kind of a good thing. Um, yeah. And even just kind of practicing some kind of calm commands when you come in, you know, just a quiet sit without getting her all excited. Um, but but really that, uh, you know, that, that getting them all worked up thing, is that that's really what kind of triggers this and feeds that uh, behavior. And probably even with strangers, not let them pet her right away till she settles down and Exactly, and and that's what I do is I would tell people when they come to your home, just ignore her. Don't look at her. Don't talk to her. Um, You know, same thing, no eye contact. And if you have to, you can take her outside right as they're entering. But in in many cases, if you just tell and you instruct your friends and family, you know, just don't pay attention to the dog, um, then that's going to be a really good thing. And and you'll want to practice this. So you want to have friends and family members that are in on this kind of help set her up (laughs) so that you can practice this behavior. And it it, it will work, but it just takes a lot of... uh, a lot of uh, conditioning in that way. Because right, I guess she's a very happy, happy dog, actually too happy, and I guess that's yeah. what's oh. here. We want to yeah. keep the happiness. We just don't want the piddle going everywhere. Exactly. <laughs> well, I hope that's helpful for you. This is Dr. Debbie with Animal Radio.
If you have diabetes and you're on Medicare, Medicaid, or have private insurance, you may qualify for a new continuous glucose monitor. Managing your diabetes is crucial to your health. The new CGM can automatically and easily help you manage your diabetes more effectively. And by using a CGM, you can eliminate the one thing most people with diabetes dislike the most, finger sticks. Now you can automatically manage your diabetes and end the painful finger sticks. Solara Medical Supplies makes it simple for you to have a new CGM. We'll do all the insurance paperwork for you and deliver the newest in diabetic care technology right to your door. Take charge of your diabetes today with the help of a new continuous glucose monitor. Call now to learn more. 800 This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. The seasons are changing. You can tell spring is in the air. Warmer weather is on the way. And for those who live in Virginia or nearby, maybe you're going there on vacation. That means wine-loving dog lovers who like their dog to tag along on outings will soon be able to legally take their dog or dogs with them to wineries in Virginia. This all began oh, late last year when Bluestone Winery said it could no longer allow dogs in their tasting room because the State Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services had been cracking down on dogs in tasting rooms, except for service animals, of course. So Bluestone's owners set out to change the law because dogs, you know, are kind of a part of the winery business. It just seems to go together. The new dog inclusion bill will likely be signed by the governor of Virginia and soon because it passed both state houses of Virginia government easily, almost unanimously. And you know, you don't hear those things these days, maybe because pets are not political, but in Virginia, only two of the lawmakers in the entire state oppose the bill. So it should be a lot of fun. The new law will allow companion animals inside and on the property of any licensed winery, brewery, or distillery, the only limitation is that they can't be in an area where food is being made. So you're not going to see them in the winery kitchen, but it should be a great summer for dog lovers in Virginia. Now, as much as it can irk cat people, I know Hal feels this a lot. Studies show, you know, people with dogs are thought to be more approachable, happier, more empathetic maybe. Uh, for men, there's also that chick magnet effect. Uh-huh. Uh, but why is that? Uh, Dr. Helen Fisher, I got to tell you about this lady. She's been a, a longtime relationship researcher who also now consults with Match.com. And she says people are attracted to dog owners because it says that you care for a creature, that you can follow a schedule and get home in time to feed it. You can care for it, take it out on walks and, and love it and spend time with it. Kind of like things that most women want in a relationship. So some of Dr. Fisher's survey research for Match.com shows nearly a third of respondents said they had been more attracted to someone because they had a pet. More than half in another survey said they would find someone more attractive if they knew that he or she had adopted a pet. Hmm. Most respondents said they thought their dates choices in pets really said a lot about their personality. More than half said they would not date someone who did not like pets. That would be out of the question. And two thirds of respondents said they would definitely judge their date based on how he or she responded to their pet. Guys, 
I'm just telling you this, just from my experience, if you're tired of the bar scene, going, doing that whole thing, buying drinks and all of that, playing all those games, borrow a friend's puppy and go to the dog park. This is the best <laughs> way to meet women. It is good. I mean, because, I mean, women like Judy and myself, we would just not even consider a man who's not into animals. I mean, it just shows a care, a level of care that, that you, and love that you, you don't see in some... But, you know, and and also you may see somebody, you may not be attracted to them right away, but if they have a puppy, you go up to them, you, you, you talk to them, you're the personality and the, you become attracted to them because they care for this puppy. Yeah. And you have something in common immediately because you, yeah, I agree. Yes. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at animalradio.com. I'm thinking like a pet or puppy rental service for guys would be... (laughs) It's just a thought. I'm just putting that out there. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at animalradio.com. Hi, it's Alec Cable with today's dog tip. So you've done your homework, you're ready to make an incredible commitment, and get yourself a puppy. You know the responsibility you're taking on, and you've thought long and hard about what kind of puppy you want, and how best to pick him or her out. Or did you? When I met my lady, my last dog was a well-behaved, well-socialized, grown adult. He passed, and she wanted a puppy. I tried to prepare her for the storm that was coming. She said she understood, and so a very lucky stroke. My neighbors got together, a lab and a shepherd, and they had puppies. Now, this was great, because it enabled me to do some incredible preparation and homework. Firstly, I could observe the puppies as often as I wanted, and when they got older, I could take a couple at a time and visit my backyard. So let's talk about picking out puppies. You know when you go to the supermarket, you just don't pick up any cucumber and stick it in your cart. No, it's gotta be a beautiful green cucumber. Crisp and ripe. Many people just pick out puppies or dogs just based on how they look. But shouldn't you ask yourself what personality traits you'd most like to see in a puppy? And whether or not you want a smart dog. The best way to gauge a puppy's intelligence is to observe him. Puppies have very short attention spans. They can't focus very long on anything. Kind of like guys when you're talking about your relationship. They're on to the next thing before you can snap your finger. So if you observe a puppy that can focus for 10-15 seconds on an object or anything, that's a great sign of intelligence. Also, watch how the puppy interacts with the other puppies. Does he leave the pack occasionally, go off on his own to explore? Or does he always cling tightly to the group? When he plays, is he dominant or is he submissive? And watch how his mother corrects him when she doesn't like the behavior. Usually grabbing him by the neck with their teeth or pushing them down to the ground. That's another important thing to observe, how a mother corrects bad behavior in her pups. You're going to be doing a lot of correcting when you bring your puppy home. Okay, so to be prepared for your first night, your dog is going to wail and whine all night long. My wife wanted me to return him the next day. He's away from his mother and his litter mates for the first time. He's scared. He's in a strange environment and he's calling out to them and more than likely he'll do it for a week or two. Do yourself a favor and get a crate and we'll be talking about crate and potty training next time. Holy education! Hi, this is Burt Ward, Robin from the TV series Batman. You've got to keep listening to Animal Radio. Wowie zowie, they've got the best information. It's so entertaining. To the Batmobile citizens! Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. We will go back to the phones in just a couple of seconds. And don't forget, you can ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. Lori, have you, do you know what kind of dogs you have? Have you ever tested their DNA? No, I would love to test Taters because he's what's known as a, you know, generic pit bull, which could be several breeds. Joey, have you ever tested your, your dogs? 
No, I never did. I was always interested, though, to be quite honest with you. Judy, you did. You tested. I did. did. I got my dog from a rescue in Los Angeles, and they said she was a chihuahua. But as she got a little bit older, I thought, you know, she was only eight weeks old. I thought, this is not a chihuahua, and I don't know what she is and what her genetic makeup is. So I wanted to find out. And you did a cheek swab. I did a cheek swab, and she is about nine pounds, and... It didn't come back as anything I could recognize. And that was a decade ago? This was almost 10 years ago. 10 years ago. Then you ultimately did a blood test to find out. I did a blood DNA. Now, can I ask why it was so important for you to know the DNA of your dog? Well, I don't know about for other people, but for me is I wanted to know her genetic makeup. I wanted to know if there were any diseases she was predisposed to, depending upon what kind of breed she was. I wanted to know. Sure. Sure. You know, just curiosity. Mindy, Mindy Tenenbaum, founder of DNA My Dog. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm great, thank you. I feel like I don't need to speak anymore because you said everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, what, you, what do you guys do over at DNA My Dog? The, the primary test that we do is exactly the test that you just mentioned. We do cheek swab and we do blood tests for um, the DNA of the dog to discover what the breeds are in a dog. And why is that so important? Well, it's essentially exactly what was just said. People uh, want to know what the breeds are in their dog. Uh, primarily, it's curiosity. Um, and then from there, some, it, sometimes people want to know any um, genetic health risks that the dog may be prone to. Sometimes it's people adopt a puppy maybe from the rescue and rescues you know, they do their best, but it is often, well, it's usually just their best guess. (laughs) And so seriously, we've had people who have adopted puppy chihuahuas from a rescue, and then the dog's three months old, and they're like, my dog's like 42 pounds. So... (laughs) (laughs) But puppies are like babies. They're all cute and kind of look alike, you know. You can't tell till they're a little older. Well, for sure. And then they're brown, and then the next week they're black, and then the next week they're white. So, you know, it does, it changes a lot. And sometimes it is just to know the size of the dog that people are getting. We also test for a lot of dog shelters because when they have the actual breeds of the dogs that they're adopting, it does increase the speed to which the dog gets adopted when people walk in and see, oh, look, it's a Jack Russell. Boston Terrier mix, it, it, they're, they're more comfortable with knowing it sometimes. And it, we've had a lot of shelters who the dogs have been sitting there for months and months, and then they put out, they DNA tested and list the breeds at the adoption, and the dog gets adopted within the week. Wow. How accurate is it? Um, that's the that's the big question that we get asked all the time. And um, it, it it's not something I can answer uh no DNA test is 100% accurate. And I always tell people if somebody tells you that their DNA test for anything, not just canine DNA testing, any DNA test, it, it's impossible. It's going to um, depend on a number of things. If you get a test from us and you follow the instructions that we send you, you're going to get a test that should be about 99.99% accurate. Where that falls apart for me to be able to list the accuracy to you is I, I wasn't there when you took the sample. So did you follow my instructions? Did you, was your dog in contact with other dogs? Did you let it air dry long enough? Did your dog not eat before it took the sample? Those are things that we can't control. So if you do what we tell you to do with the sample, you should get a, a really great result. We are with Mindy Tenenbaum. She is the founder of DNA My Dog. She finds out exactly what kind of breed your dog is. And coming up next, we're going to give away one of these kits that she makes. You're listening to Animal Radio. 
Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. Here is today's top automotive news story. I'm Nick Miles. Hyundai has added a three-year complimentary maintenance with the purchase or lease of a new 2020 model year Hyundai vehicle. Hyundai's complimentary maintenance program includes oil and filter changes plus tire rotations at normal factory scheduled intervals for three years or 36,000 miles. Hyundai complimentary maintenance is available for new 2020 Hyundai models purchased after February the 1st, 2020. To find your new Hyundai, check out our reviews at ourautoexpert.com. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car care needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service. For professional parts people you can trust, stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts. Better prices. Every day. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. Do you know what kind of dog you have? Do you know the the breed that you have? Would you like to know? In just a couple of minutes, we're going to give away one of these DNA My Dog kits to test your dog and we're also going to test ladybug the studio stunt dog here in just a couple of seconds is this becoming more popular or more and more people doing this now very it's very popular right now um more and more people are certainly doing it and um i wonder also too if it's becoming a lot more popular now for people to get shelter dogs where they're going to test it whereas years ago it was you know a lot of people would go to a reader and get a purebred in which case they would have no use for a test like this mindy when you i'm a little confused but it's not you know an unusual thing so (laughs) do i when i take have a dna test done for my dog say i was wondering Mm -hmm. tater uh who is Mm -hmm. a pit bull so you they're what the seven or nine bully breeds would Mm -hmm. i have to say um i want you to test for you know those seven breeds or no i mean how does that work you don't tell me anything. We just take oh, okay, your sample great. and we run okay. it through our database. So you're, you're sending me a cheek swab. It's coming to our lab. We're extracting the DNA from the swab. swab. We're sequencing it and we're, and we're running it through a database of all of the breeds that we test for. And it's going to match up the DNA uh, to, to whatever it matches up to. And then it's going to be by percentage. So you have a pit bull that might come back, you know, a level one Staffordshire uh, terrier level two American Staffordshire terrier. Maybe there's some boxer bulldog. It's going to come back in different levels, which represent the percentages. What is like the most unusual combination you've seen? Have you ever got a result and went, Oh my gosh, I'd love to see that dog. Oh, all the time. Every day. It's crazy. Somebody sent in a, a test the other week and it came back um it was a it was a and it's like a new breed now dude but it was like a pomeranian and a siberian husky and and they didn't send a photo but like that i we sent them their results and i was kind of like that they're they're gonna call back and go what is wrong with your test because who has like a pomeranian siberian husky and they actually emailed us and said we knew it was that dog and here's the photo and it was totally a pomeranian siberian husky like if you could smash them together it was the size of a pomeranian but it looked like a husky i, I think they're called pomskis or something they're pomskis they yes. are but they're like really popular now but we get a lot of people testing with us saying thinking they have pomskis but that was the first one i actually really saw usually it's not it's just it looks like that we get a lot of people who think they have certain dogs and they don't you have sent us a kit, a DNA My Dog kit, and uh, I'm going to, I'm, if it's okay, I'm going to go ahead and test one of the dogs here. What are these, how do people get these kits, first of all? 
Um, they can get them either directly on our website. We have them on uh, – we sell them um, through a lot of distributors online. How much are they? They are sixty eight ninety nine. So when you get the kit, that, that also pays for the, uh, the DNA test. It's not just the, the sixty. Kit. Yeah, the sixty eight ninety nine. It's like a one and done. Like you'll get the kit, you'll get your return postage, you'll get your results, you'll get everything for that one price. And we do have some advanced genetic testing if people are interested. We can do some specific health screens and genetic screens and things like that. But that that's not really our big, our big part of our business. It's the DNA test, and that's it's sixty eight ninety nine for the whole test. I uh... can I ask just one last question. I know I'm mm-hmm. really bothering you today. <laughs> hey, Mindy, is it better to do or maybe cheaper or more expensive, whatever, to do uh, you know, a cheek swab versus a blood draw? It's less expensive to do the cheek swab, and the blood draw, is it's not better. Um, sometimes the cheek swab can have contamination in it, but we can all – most of the time we can catch that on our end, and we would send you a new test, the blood so we're going to do one of these right now. Get Ladybug, please. Oh. <laughs> She's like, no, I already did it. So I'm, just, I'm opening the, the swabs. Okay. Do me, okay. do me. Yeah. <laughs> Find out where you and are. And you have your dog. You have your dog there with yeah, you. Yeah, Ladybug oh, is right she's here. She's always here. Yes. And no looking. And at she's it. not been. She's not been with any other dogs in the last hour. Uh, what do you mean by been with? <laughs> been with like like shared toys. You're talking to her water. mother. Yeah. <laughs> she she's actually. We have several dogs in the studio. Um, if they share water or they share no. toys or there no. can be oral contamination, and we've seen okay. it. Like people have tested. A dog that looks like a German Shepherd and it's come back with Pomeranian. And then they're like, oh, yeah, it was playing with the Pomeranian next door right before I took the sample. And it, it just takes one cell. Okay. So oh, well, I, have to, <coughs> I have to put this in her uh, Swap her just, cheek. Uh, just in her cheek, huh? Open her mouth. Yeah, it's just, yep. it's right. How long does it have her, to? 20, just a... Like 20 seconds, like a good rub on, on, on the okay. cheek. When you say just a cheek like... swab, has anybody ever swabbed the outside of the cheek? Just curious. <laughs> Really? They, I, I, I can't say no because they, they very well could have and I wouldn't know. But Inside the cheek. Inside right. the cheek, CSI style. Okay. She, she doesn't mind. She's letting me do no, they this. Don't, they usually really don't mind. She wants to chew on it. Yeah, she does. Okay. And so then we just put this back in the specimen you gotta envelope. You've got to air dry it. Oh, we've got to air dry it. How long do we but air dry in the, it? You can put it in the envelope. Yeah, it's like 10 minutes. It says 25, but 10 is fine. We have one to give away. Is that correct? Yes, we do. Oh, okay. That's very cool. Um, this and by the way, if you don't get through today, you can head on over to dnamydog.com. dnamydog.com, and of course, links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.pet. Uh, call right now. The one caveat, of course, is that uh, you'll have to call back and tell us your results and uh, the whole deal. You know, yeah. you'll have to follow up with us. Mindy, thank you so much for spending time with us. Thank you so much for having me. It was just a pleasure. I thank you so much. And we look really forward to getting your results and whoever wins the kit's results, too. It is time for us to get on out of here. Remember, if you need your fix during the week, you know, you can hit us up over at AnimalRadio.pet or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, uh, BlackBerry, and uh, what's that other one? Android. Android. Okay. Have yourself a great one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is Animal Radio Network. Network.